0: Hi, and welcome into Meet Me in the Movies. I am Thomas Manning. Uh, alongside here as a guest, we have Christian Jessup. You might think uh, things are looking a little bit differently compared to how most of our shows have been in the past few months. Uh, we are not in person, and Noel Manning is not here. There's a reason for that. Uh, so Noel Manning has recently been struggling with some kidney stones, um, You know, something along those lines. I mean, I could be wrong, but... I believe that's where he is, and uh, Christian Jessup did not want to drive three hours just to record a 30-minute show, so we figured, I guess, the next best option, record over Zoom, going back to our, um, you know, going back to what we're doing throughout most of the pandemic,
1: and uh, so, Christian Jessup, it is truly an honor to have you back on the show. It's great to be back. miss being with you guys. I'm not as charming or as handsome as Noel, but I'll try to be a, a decent guest for you today.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think we can make do. I think we can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, we'll start off heading into uh, the topic of Venom. Let there be carnage. Uh, so this is a follow-up film to the 2018 film Venom, and that one was directed by Ruben Fleischer. But this one is directed by Andy Circus, and um, this one it's kind of uh, you know in association with Marvel, but uh, it's technically under the Sony umbrella. So there's certain things about, about this universe that are kind of separate from the mainstream MCU. And um, that's, that's what we're working with, with Venom, Let There Be Carnage. But Christian, I'll let you get us started off with some of your general thoughts with this film.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I was really interested in how they set this up, because obviously it's your, your traditional superhero or anti-hero film, if you will. Um, but they really treated it a little bit like a rom-com between Eddie and Venom. Um, don't want to give away much of the plot, but um, kind of how you see on TV and movies, you've got the classic like breakup tropes where people are fighting, trying to decide if they should stay together or not. Um, and you get a lot of this in this film, literally get the two of them like fighting in their apartment and like throwing stuff around. Um, so I liked that angle at it. Um, you know, they, they call it a symbiotic relationship since Venom is a symbiote, but treating it like a romantic relationship almost um, was an interesting way to do it. Um, For me, your love of this film is going to be pretty dependent on your thoughts of the first film. Um, If you couldn't stand the original, I don't think there's much here that they added that's going to change your mind on the series. But if you enjoyed the original, I really think they doubled down on what worked. They really got that comedic element going, um, really went in for just the silliness, kind of a retro campy vibe to it. So um, that's kind of where I'm at was the solid in between loving and hating it, but leaning a little towards the enjoyment factor.
0: Yeah, it's Interesting that you mentioned that because honestly, I was not a fan of the first one at all. Um, I, there was a lot of respected about it. Uh, of course, I love Tom Hardy's performance and um, you know, some of the action was, was fine enough. Um, but I feel like they couldn't strike that total balance between the dark horror aspects and then the comedy. And for this, I appreciated just how much they leaned into the comedy, into the absurdity of it. Um, you know, I like to describe it as a very schlocky feel that it has to it, uh, you know, kind of a throwback B-movie, um, kind of 80s alien comedy type deal. Um, so that's what I really loved about what uh, they did with this, this follow-up. Um, Andy Serkis stepping in as director, I think he added a lot to the equation, um, especially as someone, he's been right in the middle of kind of the latest technological advance, advancements in filmmaking for the past couple of decades of course with lord of the rings trilogy working with peter jackson on set as gollum and um planet of the apes um so having him step in here behind the camera um i felt like that made a really big impact on the the visuals and kind of the just overall direction from a technical standpoint um i thought the action sequences had more emotional weight and had more like Co- coherency to them compared to the first film um, and also having Ro- Robert Richardson as the director of photography I actually was not aware he was the DP until the credits rolled um, and then I was like okay yeah I know that guy but he's worked with Tarantino on his last three films he's been working in the industry for a long time he's an incredibly talented cinematographer um, so I think he and uh, Circus worked really well together um, and uh, you know of course we mentioned Tom Hardy um he i thought he was giving kind of more free reign on this as well uh in the first film uh he almost seemed to be held back in some aspects but in this one he was actually given a story credit and got to you know give a lot more of his two cents on things and uh just have a great time with it and um you know anything else you want to mention about the cast christian
1: yeah, I really like you said, I thought Tom Hardy excelled and I really think he got to lean into having more fun in the role and also voicing Venom since he does that as well. Um, and then, of course, Woody Harrelson, if you're going for that schlocky, fun sort of feel in this film, what better person to play your villain than Woody Harrelson, who really just gives an over the top performance. I, I feel like from the looks of it, it looks like he's having a blast with this film and. Um, and so I, I think that that really benefited from instead of trying to have like a serious villain, they really leaned into someone who would embrace the, the fun, goofy side of things. And I thought he, he nailed it with the role.
0: Yeah, you know, we saw him teased in the uh, mid credits of mm-hmm. the uh, first Venom film, but he had this wig that was like just <laughs> one of the one of the silliest, goofiest wigs I've ever seen. And then, then they, I wish they'd kind of kept with that, but they actually replaced it with a different different wig this time, different hairstyle. And I'm like, I kind of wanted wanted to bring back that uh oh, you know, kind of hair, Annie, yeah, kind of <laughs> like an Annie afro. yeah. But um, you know, I guess you win some, you lose some. And for this, uh, Woody Harrelson's hair. Wasn't quite as uh, silly as I was hoping for, but the rest of his performance, I think we can cut him some slack because the rest of his performance was uh, just so much fun. So, yeah. Um, so, Christian, uh, what's your letter grade for Venom Let There Be Carnage?
1: I gave it a solid C, you know, right in between, but I'll give it a passing grade for the fun I had with it.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm right there above you at a solid B minus for Venom Let There Be Carnage. Uh, now, Christian, there is a uh, Netflix miniseries that uh, kind of has some horror aspects, but probably doesn't have a lot of the humor that uh, Venom Let Every Carnage did. And I've seen you tweeting about this series ever since it dropped. And that would be Midnight Mass. Uh, I believe it is a Mike Flanagan production. And uh, I just really want to give you an opportunity to dive into this and uh, share, us, share with us what's your favorite aspects about it and just kind of gush about it because I know you said you might've stopped me from gushing about it for the whole show. So, you know, give us, give us some thoughts but try not to take up the rest of the show.
1: Yeah, I've, I've condensed my three-hour thesis presentation on this uh, limited series into, into a little five-minute segment or so here. But yeah, like Thomas said, Midnight Mass, it's a limited Netflix series directed by Mike Flanagan. Um, you might know him from lots of horror background stuff, Haunting at Hill House, Dr. Sleep, um, he's really been killing it, so to speak, in the in the horror field um, for the past several years now. And so, the plot of Midnight Mass centers around this isolated island community that starts experiencing supernatural events after this new mysterious priest arrives in town. Um, and you know that's about as far as I can go without giving away big plot points but it's just another masterful series from Flanagan. My favorite he's done, and it's already become one of my favorite mini series of all time. Um, From a technical perspective, everything's operating high cylinder. The direction and writing are next level. Um, Lots of really nice long takes, one shots throughout the series. Um, The acting, every person is on the top of his or her game. And the dialogue um, almost reminded me of Aaron Sorkin to where it might not be the most realistic dialogue with how people talk, but it's just entrancing. Um, A lot of the series, even though it's billed as a supernatural horror series, a lot of the series is more of a debate about faith, specifically um, Christianity and Catholicism. Um, And it's really just um, Flanagan, who grew up Catholic, kind of examining his faith under a harsher light um, so you've got a lot of people in this series, you know, debating, is there a higher power? Why would a God let bad things happen? Um, and really showing how religious people can use their religion both for good or for evil. Um, so, I mean, that fascinated me. I'm a Christian and to see a film um, examine faith that's not one sided, you know, it's not a Christian film. So it's not just looking at it from a Christian lens, but it's not all a harsh um, Condemnation of Christianity, either. So to see kind of this um, ambiguous debate about faith with kind of a horror background was fascinating for me. And um, I think it would have been hard to pull off from anyone else, but just all around great writing, direction, and acting just made this a perfect series for me. Um, And if you can't tell, I loved it. I, I gave it an A without question, and it's already moved to the top of my list all time.
0: Yeah, your uh, your discussion of the kind of connection there between the horror genre and the faith debate, uh, reminds me a lot. Actually, uh, friends friends of the show, the Fear of God podcast. Uh, my dad or uh, Noel Manning. Uh, he he ha- has um he's had them on the show before to talk to them, and they have a podcast that kind of discusses and analyzes horror films through the through the lens of um you know faith based faith based perspective. And uh, so I'm sure that they'd have a lot of interesting thoughts about this one. Um, And also Christian, uh, I know Flanagan has done a few things on Netflix for a few mini series, uh, but these are, this one is completely separate from those. Is
1: is that correct? That's right. This is a completely different series standalone. You don't have to have seen anything else to to enjoy this. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely
0: get around to it at some point. I just kind of have to be the right mindset for horror. (laughs) Um, It's, it's one of those genres that I have to, you know, kind of set aside a lot of things and just come into it focused intently. So, but I know um, that you're not gonna not gonna let me live it down until I get around to watching it. So I promise I will. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break here on Meet Me the Movies, but on the other side of the break, we will talk about Old Henry, a uh, western starring uh, Tim Blake Nelson, and uh, if we have time to it, we might get to some nick cage action action with prisoners of the ghost land which has been uh billed by nick cage himself as quote the wildest movie i've ever made so be on the lookout for that on the other side meet me in the movies thank you so much for tuning in hi and welcome back into meet me in the movies i am thomas manning with christian Jessup. we are filling in for noel manning as uh you know he's had a little bit of a uh, rocky week i guess you could say uh you know he might, might get mad at me for using that pun, but we're, we're rolling with it. We're rolling with it. Um, so Now we're going to be here talking about uh, the Western that I teased on the other side of the break. Talking about Old Henry. Uh, this is this stars Tim Blake Nelson as Henry, Old Henry. And this is kind of about a father living out on the farm in 1906, somewhere in the American Southeast. It's not quite a Western based on geography, but it definitely has the uh, elements of a Western genre piece. Um, and it's also deals heavily with this father son relationship between Tim Blake Nelson's character, Henry and his son, Wyatt, who is played by Gavin Lewis. Um, and there's this uh, a big part of the their relationship. The son thinks he's kind of ready for the world. He's ready to go out there and be a man on his own. Uh, but his father kind of, you know, he, he has other ideas. He doesn't think his son is quite mature enough for that. Um, so in, in a sense, it has a coming of age type aspect to that. Part of the story, um, and also the character of Henry, he he has a past. Uh, we don't know what exactly that past is, but it's something uh, that we we assume he's he's done some things in the past that maybe he's not proud of, and that maybe he's trying to leave behind. Um, and all of this kind of comes to a head as outside forces encroach on this secluded farm out there in the American Southeast, um, and the lives the lives of Henry and White and their relationship is going to be changed forever um, as these, as these outside forces, um, you know, kind of, kind of come into the mix and the past of Henry starts catching up with them. Uh, this film is directed by uh, Patsy Ponsaroli. I believe that is the correct pronunciation. Uh, we might get some non-viewer mail about that if uh, that's not right, but uh, we're doing our best here. Um, and I just got to say, first off the bat, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned what they did with the, Emotional side of things that I had had a lot of love for, but also the action direction here is is really something else. Um, what they do with the um, you know with the camera work, uh, the cinematography, a lot of really great tricks with the focus and the depth of field and the camera movement. Um, you know, you have action, you have like shootouts, you have some melee action, you have some handheld weaponry, and all of this is choreographed and directed with such such precision and such efficiency. And um, I was just kind of entranced with the action we saw, but um, it wasn't like, it wasn't glamorized action. It was um, something that felt very realistic and very raw. And um, it, you know, I know my love for the film, The Last of the Mohicans is very much known and uh, Noel's love for that film. And a lot of the action that's kind of reminded me of how the violence, Last of the Mohicans was portrayed. Um, it's not exactly seen as something that's um, you know should be should be applauded, but it just felt like you know these characters are forced into situations to do to do things that they're not proud of um, and to uh, you know resort to violence. So the way that that was portrayed was something that I was very much impressed with. Um, and Tim Blake Nelson, it very much is his film. Um, he's he's a great, just such a great actor who. A lot of people know his face, but it sometimes it takes people a minute, it takes them a reminder to put the name and the face together. Um, but you know, wherever he pops up, I'm I'm usually on board with it. I loved his performance in the Watchmen miniseries on HBO. Um, he, I remember growing up watching him in um, the film, the Disney Channel original film Holes. Uh, he was great in that. Uh, he also was. He's technically still out there in the MCU. Uh, He was in The Incredible Hulk. Um, So, you know, just I have a lot of respect and admiration for Tim Blake Nelson, his career. And um, this is one of the best performances I've seen. It's um, it's very, very understated and very subtle, but also, um, you know, powerful in its own right. Um, So, uh, Christian, do you have anything to say about old Henry? Have you even heard of this film?
1: I had not heard of this until now, but um, your your review is definitely intriguing me. Like you said, Tim Blake Nelson, I, I swear I've never seen him do two similar films. Um, everything I see him in is so different, which might be why he's not a household name. Is just because he always appears and and seems in such different projects. But um, this sounds like a, another winner, and it sounds like he's great in it.
0: Yeah, um, on, right as I finished watching the movie um, about a couple hours ago at the time that we're recording this, and I was like, I'm so excited to be jumping on maybe the movies to discuss this with Christian, and got to recommend it to him, but yeah, I logged it in my letterbox uh, right after finished, and I said, I did not expect this to be a top 10 film of the year for me, wow. uh, but but that's what it was. Uh, so at this point in 2021, it's probably right up there in the top 10, uh, so Definitely comes with my stamp of approval, uh, high recommendation for it. And I'm going to give it a, a solid A- minus for old Henry. And uh, Christian, I will say, seek that one out whenever you get a shot.
1: I'm going to have to. Sounds like a winner. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, I think at this point, we will transition over into something completely different, uh, Christian I know there's there's a musical you've seen recently. Um, it's, it's not a Western musical. It's not a musical. Um, it's it's not something at all similar to old Henry. But but there is maybe an old person in this film. Uh, this is Dear Evan Hansen. And if you want to you know, talk about uh, just give us your thoughts on this film. That's been really the talk of the town on uh, on Twitter over the over the past
1: few weeks. That's right. I mean, this is yet another film that we could just spend hours and hours breaking down. But Dear Evan Hansen, it's based on the 2015 stage musical of the same name, um, starring Ben Platt, Caitlin Dever, Amanda Stenberg, Amy Adams, Julianne Moore. So it's got an all-star cast. Um, But as Thomas alluded to, the kind of source of controversy both before and after the movie came out is Ben Platt and his age. Um, He's 27 years old, which in the grand scheme of things, isn't unusual. Um, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield were both 27 when they played high schoolers, Peter Parker, Spider-Man films. Um, but Ben Platt just does not act the part of a high schooler. Um, he he looks a little too old. The The wig and makeup that's on him don't really help him out any. And I think he's aware that he looks too old because he acts really strange in the film. I think he was trying to overcompensate for maybe looking not the part. And as a result, he just ends up coming across really goofy and um, just just not acting right in parts of the film. Um, believe it or not, being the huge musical fan that I am, this was my first exposure to Dear Evan Hansen in any form. I've not actually seen um, seen it on Broadway or when it toured. I've heard some of the songs, but I've never actually seen the story. Um, So it was really great being able to to finally be exposed to that. Um, And I can see why it's received so much love in the past. The songs are great. Um, For a film that I didn't overall enjoy, I've been listening to the songs nonstop. Um, And on top of that, I think it's got an intriguing plot. Um, It all revolves around Evan Hansen, who's this high school student looking for belonging, and he kind of finds it through this grieving family after their son commits suicide. Um, so it's an odd plot, but it's one that kind of works in context. And I think it does a lot to bring awareness to mental health, to anxiety, to depression. Um, so there's some really good elements there. But at the end of the day, it was really the, the casting and acting that just did not work for me. Um, I talked a lot about Ben Platt. I think Amy Adams and Julianne Moore, their roles were serviceable, but they didn't really help elevate the film any. Um, And even really impressive roles like Caitlin Devers and Amanda Stamberg's, they just couldn't quite bring the film up to to where I was wanting it to be. Um, I think it can be a crowd pleaser. Like I said, the songs are great and, you know, never underestimate the power of good songs and making people enjoy a film. Um, but it it just wasn't there for me and that's largely because of the the casting and the acting so i gave the the film itself a d plus just didn't quite land but um i'd still recommend to check it out if you've never been exposed to to the musical before
0: interesting yeah um if if you keep going back to the soundtrack like that, uh, they must be really really catchy songs for you to give it a D plus, but still go back and listen to it. So, uh,
1: yeah, looks like they did the, something right at least. Yeah, it's the same songwriters that did The Greatest Showman. They were involved in La La Land. Um, and, and longtime viewers might remember I wasn't too high on The Greatest Showman when it first came out, but I loved the songs. And now when I've revisited that, I enjoy the film even more because I've come to love the songs so much. So. Those guys really know how to how to write some catchy songs.
0: Well, uh, you might have convinced me to give Dear Evan Hansen a shot, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. When <laughs> happens. And uh, we are we are running out of time here on Mimi, the movies. But I will take this time since I teased it to briefly touch on Prisoners of the Ghostland. Uh, so this was uh, directed by Shion Sono. And uh, as Nick Cage called it, the wildest movie he's ever made. Um, And it kind of combines Western elements, it combines samurai, and you got some post-apocalyptic kind of Mad Max vibes in there. Um, And uh, the visuals in this film really stand out. Uh, They use a really wide-ranging color and lighting palette. Uh, There are like four or five different kind of like noticeable aesthetics and environments that they build into the narrative. Um, And that's, you know, one of the things that truly stands out about it. Um, really interesting character study about kind of an outlaw bandit who's done some bad things in his past, but he's looking to redeem himself. Um, you know that I guess you could connect that to Old Henry in a sense. A lot of those same themes are things we discussed in Old Henry, um, and uh, but also in the case of Nick Cage, um, with him with his character, you don't know if he's trying to redeem himself just for the sake of you know saving his soul, or if he's doing it because he truly. Um, it truly feels weighed down by the sins of his past. So what they do with that in this, um, you know, kind of gonzo type of action film of, it's a really interesting uh, balance they have and they're working with. Um, I can say that I was watching this film with my friend Austin buzzard, who is a massive Nick cage fan. And uh, buzz said, you know what, that might've been the most entertaining movie I've ever seen in my life. So um, that that's uh that's that's what we'll uh that's what we'll give to uh <laughs> the prisoners of the ghost land. And uh so I would recommend checking it out if you're if you're down for just some craziness and some wackiness in your life. Uh and it is it is rated R, it's pretty hard R, pretty graphic violence. So be be prepared for that. But if that sounds like a deal, then I'd say go for it. Do you and, agree uh, with I'm Nick Cage's
1: assessment that it is the wildest film he's ever done? He's done a lot of wild films.
0: I just might yeah it uh it pretty much lived up to that hype for me so I got to give a solid B to Prisoners of the Ghost Land and I will take Christian uh if
1: if that sounds like if that sounds up your alley go for it Nick Cage is one of those guys you know whether the film is amazing or terrible I just have to check it out when he's in it so
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I mean he does about five every year so you get plenty of opportunities for it (laughs) yep well, Kristen, uh, it's been a pleasure having you back on the show, and I really appreciate your time uh, today. And, um,
1: you know, if there's anything you want to leave with the audience before you leave. Yeah. Noel, hope you get to feeling better. Um, praying for you. Hope you can be back on the show soon, but I've loved filling in for you and getting to join and meet me at the movies.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been great having you. And our movie quote of the week as we. Right off into the sunset here is from Nick Cage's character in Prisoners of the Ghostland. His character isn't given a name other than The Hero. So this is from The Hero. He says, I am radioactive. And that's it for us here on Meet Me, the Movies today. Thanks again to Christian Jessup and Thomas Manning. Hope you guys have a great week.